When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Rising interest rates dent U.S. home sales and manufacturing activity. Plus, China sets its lowest economic growth target in decades. There are structural imbalances in the economy, and they want to address them. And therefore, it's not just about growth at all costs. And as ATMs keep disappearing, how far away is a cashless society? It's Monday, March 6th. I'm Luke Vargas with The Wall Street Journal, and here's the AM edition of What's News, the top headlines and business stories moving your world today. The U.S. manufacturing sector is showing new signs of weakness after two years of strong growth. According to the Institute for Supply Management, new orders for manufactured goods have now contracted for six straight months through February. Federal Reserve data also shows that manufacturing output is down 11.7 percent from its post-pandemic peak. The Fed's aggressive interest rate hikes have pushed up the cost of borrowing for big-ticket items like washing machines and power tools, and that is resulting in a sharp pullback in several manufacturing sectors. Despite accounting for a small share of GDP, manufacturing has historically been an early indicator of recession. High interest rates are also squeezing the U.S. housing market ahead of its critical spring season. Mortgage applications from home buyers have slid to their lowest level in 28 years on a seasonally adjusted basis, according to the Mortgage Bankers Association. The hesitation comes at a key time for the housing market, as about 40 percent of existing home sales for the year typically occur from March through June, according to the National Association of Realtors. Turning overseas, South Korea has reached a deal with Japan to resolve a forced labor dispute dating back to Japan's colonization of the Korean Peninsula from 1910 through 1945. Today's agreement will see South Korean companies compensate Koreans forced to work in Japan during World War II. According to South Korea's foreign minister, Park Jin, funds will be raised through donations from local firms after Japan said its companies wouldn't pay. But Park hopes Japanese companies will make voluntary contributions to the fund. Journal reporter Dossel Yoon in Seoul says that would avoid the liquidation of assets of Japanese companies involved in the forced labor cases, a prospect that had exacerbated friction between Seoul and Tokyo. We've seen different reactions. President Joe Biden said that the announcement marks a groundbreaking new chapter of cooperation and partnership between the two U.S. allies. Many analysts have said that this proposal is in the interest of regional security. But on the other hand, we've seen a lot of opposition from civic groups and family members of the victims because they have been demanding an apology from the Japanese companies and direct compensation. 
And former President Donald Trump and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis dug in over the weekend for what is expected to be a bitter and personal fight for the 2024 GOP presidential nomination. Trump revved up supporters on Saturday at the Conservative Political Action Conference outside Washington, while DeSantis made a high-profile speech at the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library in California. The two will then head to Iowa, which holds the first GOP caucus in 2024. Trump has already launched his campaign, and DeSantis is expected to formally enter the race after the Florida legislative session ends in May. The number of ATMs in the United States has dropped for the third consecutive year, according to new data from research firm Euromonitor, a signal that the slow march toward a cashless society continues. But just how far away is that future, and could there be bumps along the way? Wall Street Journal reporter Jim Carlton has been looking at trends in the world of ATMs, and he joins us now with the details. Hey, Jim, thanks for being with us. Good to be with you. Could you describe for us the changes that are occurring here? It seems like ATMs are possibly going the way of the dodo. Well, the ATMs, as we all know, have been everywhere. You go into the grocery store, the gas station, the bank. There's not many places you've been able to go without finding an ATM. And really, though, that's starting to change. As of 2019, there were about 471,000 ATMs, according to a study by Euromonitor International. And since then, they've gone down every year. 2021 and 2022 were down about 450,000. So it may not sound like a lot, 20,000, but it's still on the way down, not up. And that's having some implications. Just doing the math here, 2020, the year when these numbers start to go down, was the start of the pandemic. Is that what caused this? Well, the transition to a cashless society here in the U.S. and in other parts of the world, certainly, has been going on for some time. But the statistics show that over the last 12 years, 42% of transactions were cash, according to Euromonitor. As of this year, that's going to go down to about 14%, cash and check. But the slide has really accelerated during the pandemic. And, you know, it's because we thought that paper money might have the virus. You know, you can't use paper money. People were stuck at home doing a lot more online transactions. So that kind of accelerated the shift. And Jim, if ATMs keep disappearing and we approach something like a cashless society, does that present any challenges? I interviewed a number of people for this story, and I talked to a a hotel bartender in Kansas City, and he was telling me that, look, a lot of us in the service industry get our tips in cash. We rely on ATMs to do the deposits. There are some places where there's more and more branches closing, so ATMs are becoming more important. And he just noticed if it's hard to find an ATM, it's harder to take care of your cash. A lot of contractors will deal with cash. I was getting my car smogged here in California yesterday, and my smog mechanic, <laughs> he wanted cash. So I had to go get the ATM and, and pay him like $120 in cash. And with a $3 service fee, I was not happy about. <laughs> but cash is not going away, but it's going to be less prevalent. That was Wall Street Journal reporter Jim Carlton. Jim, thank you. It was great to be here. Thanks a lot. Coming up, China kicked off its annual legislative session over the weekend and set its lowest economic growth target in decades. We'll get an update from Beijing after the break. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. China has unveiled its lowest economic growth target in more than a quarter century. Beijing's target of around 5% growth this year kicked off China's annual legislative session, which sets out the political and economic agenda for the country. And as our China Bureau Chief Jonathan Cheng explains, that suggests that officials are less concerned about raw economic expansion and are turning their attention to other priorities. And Jonathan joins us now from Beijing with more on this. All right, Jonathan, so a somewhat conservative growth target from China over the weekend. How have markets reacted to that? Markets actually have been taking it mostly in stride. This was roughly in line with what People had been expecting, most analysts on the street are expecting growth this year of somewhere between 5 5.5% growth. It's a low number by China's historic record over the last couple of decades, but it also reflects the fact that last year was a pretty brutal year for Chinese growth because of all these zero COVID lockdowns that have since been lifted. Just given how big a driver China is of global economic growth, what does that target mean for the rest of the world? Well, what it means is that Chinese leaders expect this to be a relatively straightforward year. I mean, the economy was held back for three years because of zero COVID policies, and especially in 2022 because of Omicron and how quickly it spread and how often it led to lockdowns in China. With that gone, I think they're pretty confident that demand is going to come back, people are going to start spending, traveling again. But it also suggests that they're not necessarily going to stimulate in a big way. You could sort of see even beyond the GDP target that China was being pretty cautious when it comes to fiscal spending. They know that they have debt issues. They know that there are structural imbalances in the economy and they want to address them. And therefore, it's not just about growth at all costs. So with that caution in mind, which sectors of the economy is China focusing on? I understand there are some top political meetings this week, and the list of attendees of those meetings is potentially quite revealing. Yeah, there's always been this focus on which sort of business leaders are invited to attend these sessions. And in the past, it was a lot of the traditional internet technology tycoons, basically, that were invited. So you had the top guy at Tencent, which is the most valuable tech company in China, and others like him who are in the general kind of consumer internet realm. And now we're seeing that many of them were not invited. Invitations instead went out to researchers, business executives in what I think is now being seen as more critical technologies for China. I'm talking about semiconductors, AI, biotechnology, things like that. They're not as consumer accessible things, but these are things that I think China really recognizes are of paramount importance, particularly as the U.S. is taking a lot of steps to try and curb China's development in these areas and restrict its ability to really zoom past the U.S. in these critical technologies. Yeah. And when you think about that U.S.-China dynamic, it is also striking that Beijing has announced a ramping up of military spending, is it not? What is the thinking behind that? 
So China said that they're going to increase military spending this year by 7.2%, and it's the highest number since 2019. And obviously that reflects concerns about growing tensions with the West and with the U.S. Obviously, it's something that people in Washington are watching very closely. Nobody necessarily believes there that the 7.2% figure is necessarily an accurate reflection of how much more China is spending. Some of this may be happening off the books or maybe different categorizations at play here. But I think there's no question that China obviously is spending a lot more. And, and I should put it in context that, of course, China is coming off a far lower base in terms of military spending than the U.S. So, Jonathan, finally, looking ahead to the rest of the week, are we expecting any other major announcements out of China? Well, I mean, this is going to be a legislative session where we will see Xi Jinping get a fresh term as president of the country. That's one of the many titles that he holds. Won't be too many surprises in that realm. And the other important thing to watch, it gets a little bit technical, but China has a communist party and it also has a government of China. These two things are often conflated as one, but they're really two. And I think what we're going to see is that many of the functions that were long handled by the state, by the government, are now increasingly going to come under the control of the Communist Party. And what it does point to ultimately is that Xi Jinping, as head of the Communist Party, is going to have a little bit more control even than he already does over many of these functions of government. That was Wall Street Journal China Bureau Chief Jonathan Cheng joining us from Beijing. Jonathan, thank you for the update. Thanks for having me. And finally, could a 20-second delay make you a better investor? Software tools designed to break social media addiction by adding friction to impulsive behavior are now being adapted for finance apps in an effort to limit users from constantly keeping tabs on the market. WSJ personal finance reporter Imani Moise says the idea is to get people to slow down and take a beat before making big financial decisions. There's a few apps that do this. You install it and then you say, hey, every time I open, whether or not it's a brokerage like Robinhood or Coinstats, which is a forum, it interrupts that process and says, what's your intention in using this app? And then you either learn to hate the app because it's getting in the way of what you want to do, or you kind of train yourself to stop using that app as much. One app that's really popular is called OneSec. Either it asks you to take a deep breath or it opens up your front camera and forces you to look at yourself so that you could confront what it is that you're about to do. And you could even set it up to direct you to different things, whether it's directing you to a podcast that you like to listen to, or maybe a news app, or even just telling you to take a walk. And that's What's News for Monday morning. We'll be back tonight with a new show. I'm Luke Vargas with The Wall Street Journal. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.